Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Life is filled with both sunshine and storms. But without God's navigation, souls can easily become spiritually shipwrecked. Anchored in Christ is a weekly broadcast that ministers the scriptures so we can know Christ the Savior and enjoy salvation, security, strength, and stability found only in Him as we set sail through life's marvelous journey. Here's Pastor David Kahiwat. Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 34. The Bible says, And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew, with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils, and all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and, and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Today I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled A Mindset for Ministry. Have you ever worked a job in one particular day that it was so full that you were completely exhausted by the eight hours or ten hours that you worked? Has that ever happened to you? Well, this passage that we are reading today was one of those type of days for our Lord. Keep in mind that the Gospel of Mark portrays Jesus Christ as a suffering servant. And true to form, Mark continues to describe the ministry of Jesus Christ as a busy servant. In verse number 29... It begins with a two-word phrase, and forthwith. That word forthwith means basically immediately. In the first 28 ver verses that in, in the Gospel of Mark, Mark used the word straightway three times, the word immediately twice. And all this was in description of a single day of ministry for Jesus Christ. In our passage today, we see the words forthwith, anon, and again immediately. And if you read from verses 21 to 34, just reading those verses, you get the idea of the busyness and the activity and the constant movement of our Lord. This particular day began with Jesus when he went into Capernaum and entered into the local synagogue, verses 21 and 22, which is the place of assembly for the Jews, and he brought to life a dead synagogue by astonishing the leaders with his doctrine. They were astonished. They were amazed at his teaching. After presenting a dynamic message in the assembly, a revival broke out, but then a demon also stirred up and sought to cause a major distraction. But our Lord silenced him and sent him out uh, of the possessed man, verses 23 through 28. We talked about that last time. 
And the congregation was so stirred by the teaching and preaching of our Lord that his fame became the buzz throughout all the region of Galilee. We find that in verse number 28. After an already busy day of preaching and teaching and casting out an evil spirit, Jesus departed from the synagogue with his four disciples, Andrew, James, Simon, and, and John, and they made their way to the home of Simon and Andrew. Verse 29 tells us that Jesus immediately made his way to Peter's place. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Those who have been to the Holy Land would attest that the synagogue that this is talking about was only about a minute walk from Simon's house. One would think that after such a dynamic service in the synagogue that our Lord and his four servants would take some time for a meal and a little rest. And isn't this typical of what most believers do here in America? What do we do after church, typically? We go home, or we go out, find a restaurant, eat, and then take a break. And let's take a moment to set the setting here in our, our passage of Scripture. They, Jesus, Simon, Andrew, James, and John, finished this busy day at the synagogue. And immediately after that day is over, or that service is over, if you will, we don't know how long it took, they make their way over to Peter and, Simon, and um, uh, Simon and Andrew's house, Peter and Andrew's house. According to excavations in the Holy Land, the place near the synagogue is considered to be the home of An uh, Peter and Andrew is called an insula. It's a plot of land with an outer wall and one entryway. It's a large plaza complex with a courtyard with several apartments shared by family members. That's why Andrew and Simon were in that insula. And that's the setting of the phrase, the house of Simon and Andrew. According to those who have been to, to the Holy Land and seen what is traditionally the excavation place of the home of Simon and Andrew, the insula was large enough that many people could gather together in it. Now, upon arriving to the home of Peter and Andrew, they found Peter's mother-in-law very sick. Now, it should be noted to mention uh, of Peter having a mother-in-law, which indicates that Jesus chose a married man to be a disciple who became an apostle. Who is the very apostle from whom the celibate ministry of the Roman Catholic Church professed to have the keys. Isn't that interesting? It's a contradiction of their teaching. Someone has said that according to the Catholic Church, Peter had to be the only man in the history of mankind who never married but still had a mother-in-law. Well, this pa uh, passage... Uh, of Peter being married does not stand alone. We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, when Paul's apostleship was disputed, he insisted that he had the same right to bring along with him in his travels a believing wife, which Peter did. Had his wife with him when he traveled. And then, so we know he had a mother-in-law. Verse 30 tells us that um, she lay sick of a fever. That word lay indicates that she was in a reclining position, and the reason was because she had a fever, or a, a in the Greek 
language a hot sickness. While the scripture doesn't detail for us what caused her fever, it, is, it was typical in those days that the common cause of this type of hot sickness was dysentery, which is a gastro, gastrointestinal disease caused by bacterial or parasitic infections. And in those ancient days, it was deadly. The nature of her fever is not what's important, however, folks. It's the authority and power of the healer that we see here. Thus, when Jesus arrived to this domicile, he was immediately introduced to a situation that brought life or death. And how Jesus served in these next verses provides principles for us as we seek to minister like our master. And if we have a heart to minister, understand this, it's not easy. Ministry is difficult. Ministry is hard. Many believers perceive service as something to be done once a week, when in fact, this is not what Jesus displayed. If we're going to model our ministry after our Messiah, by serving like our Savior, we must remember that our service to God is fluid throughout the day. It doesn't end when the pastor says amen. And so I want to look at some principles we can learn from Christ as we look at uh, a mindset for ministry. The first principle we can learn is this. Jesus was willing to minister even after a very busy time. Jesus was willing to minister even after a very busy time. Verses, we find that in verses 29 through 30. And we've already talked about it. They had a really busy day of ministry in the synagogue. And then verse 30, as he's making his way and made his way over to the uh, home of Simon and Andrew, the Bible says, and anon they tell him of her. That tells us that upon their arrival, this small group arrival to the home, there were some that immediately told Jesus about a serious need. And this is a very curious phrase because the tenor of their news provides both a great concern and a ray of hope. In Luke chapter 4, verse number 38, a parallel passage, a synoptic passage to this, the Bible tells us that they besought him for her. The people in that day were still emerging from Christ's early ministry when belief in his power to heal might still be mingled with some doubt. His disciples might have even been a little bit hesitant as the modern theologians of that day, the scribes, lawyers, Sadducees, and Pharisees, who were busy criticizing his miracles as a devilish sign that they were, uh, that they were so blind to his works of love. This account would dispel the disciples' hesitation forever. Jesus Christ didn't hesitate to serve even after a full day at the synagogue. He didn't complain, nor did he make excuses of being tired. He didn't say, well, you know what? I was up so early this morning praying before I even went to the synagogue. I've been up before the sun came up. He didn't complain one bit. But how many times do we do that? 
His mindset to minister even after a busy time was because he understood the urgency of the hour. He understood the will of God. He understood what was expected of him. He knew that ministry was 24-7. He even said in John chapter 4, verse number 34, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus didn't want to do or didn't want any part of his ministry unfinished. John 6, 38, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Ministry was his why. It was why he got up in the morning. It was why he prayed. It was why he walked to those cities. It was why he entered into the synagogues. It was why he made contact with people. It was to serve. He didn't take the ministry or the will of God flippantly. He came to seek, to save, and to serve. It is why he entered into this world that he created. Luke 19.10, you're familiar with these, uh, this verse. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Mark 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus understood the nature of ministry, that it is constant work which requires sacrifice. Ministry is not a job, nor is it an employment. It is a characteristic Christian way of life. It is what we as believers, ought to be doing. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But verse number 10 says, For, meaning including in the last thought, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are saved, ladies and gentlemen, to serve our Savior, not to sit in a pew and leave. Ministry is an active way. It is an intentional way. It is a constant way. It is the way of life of the Master. Ministry, being ready to serve and looking to serve, is the way of our servant, Jesus Christ. Undoubtedly, Jesus was taxed. He preached a one-day revival in the synagogue. And he was engaged in spiritual warfare during that worship time. And surely his mind, body, emotions, and spirit needed to be refreshed. However, on the way to do so, he was thrust right into another moment of ministry. But he wasn't reluctant. He was willing. Verse 31, the Bible tells us, And he came... And took her. It begins with that word and, indicating the flow of thought and action from verses 29 to 30, that they are nonstop. It is continuous action. And that's what a great and godly servant does. Doesn't stop serving. My friends, this is the example that we ought to be following. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1, the Bible says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. We ought to be followers of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and His mindset for ministry. That even after a busy day of service, still be willing to, to minister to somebody else. 
That word followers in the Greek language is mimetai, from which we get our English word mimic. We are to be mimickers or imitators of God. And in this case, we are imitating this principle and mindset of ministry. I ask you this question. Do we shut out our ministry mindset? Do we shut it down right after service? Oh, well, I went to church. I'm done. I'm going back to what I was doing before. Is our ministry mindset constantly intentional and proactive like Jesus Christ? Jesus is looking for those already working already busy and proactive to employ into a service. That's why he chose Andrew, Peter, James, and John to be the fishers of men because they were busy working. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. So I dare say to us, ladies and gentlemen, every time we end church services, we shouldn't be checking out of service. We ought to be punching into work. The second principle we see, not only was Jesus willing to minister after a busy day of service, but in verse number 31, Jesus was willing to minister to the individual. Jesus was willing to minister to the individual. The Bible says, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto them. As we read of his many wonderful works and miracles in the gospels, there were many ways that he performed such miraculous acts. Sometimes he touched individuals. Sometimes he only spoke. Sometimes he spoke and the person wasn't even in his immediate vicinity. His different ways of ministering, he was willing to do for an individual. Luke chapter 15, verses 4 through 7 tells this. Jesus was saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. In that parable, Jesus was teaching the audience that the God of heaven the Redeemer, the Savior of our souls, came for each individual. He ministers to the one lost sheep. Yes, Jesus loves the entire flock, but he ministers also to each individual. And a servant worth his or her salt is willing to minister and go out of the way and sacrifice even for a single individual. In our passage, he came to Simon's mother-in-law and healed her. And in Luke, verse, uh, Luke 4, verse number 39, we're told that Jesus stood over her and rebuked the fever. Why did he rebuke the fever? Well, just as he wields authority over the winds and the waves, that they must obey him. He demonstrated his authority over sickness as well. As the evil spirit immediately submitted to his voice, this evil sickness submitted the same. Isn't that amazing? What a wonderful God we serve. Yet his tender, authoritative verse, uh, voice excuse me, and caring touch healed Simon's mother-in-law. And the touching of her hand was not as other physicians who would check the pulse in order to assess and know the disease and to find out how 
well or sick the, the individual was, but rather the touch of the master's hand on her hand was for the purpose of healing her. On this passage, Matthew Henry said, This was an intimation of his kindness and tenderness. He is himself touched with the feeling of our infirmities. It likewise shows the way of spiritual healing by the exerting of the power of Christ with his word and the application of Christ to ourselves. The scripture speaks the word, the spirit gives the touch, touches the heart, and touches the hand. The evidence of the efficacy of his healing was that immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto them. Like the sinister spirit in the synagogue, immediately submitted and was silent and sent away. This sickness immediately left Simon's mother-in-law. Her strength was immediately restored as he lifted her up. Let's stop a moment and think about that phrase a little bit. In verse number 31, it says, He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. My dear friend, God does not just want to heal you of whatever affliction, habit, sinful disease you have. But he also wants to lift you up. He wants to encourage you. He wants you to get on your feet and do something. The moment she got healed, he lifted her up. The sickness left. The, the strengthening came, and she started serving. She immediately regained her strength to serve at full force to go about the business of the house. Again, I like how Matthew Henry put it. He said, though she was thus dignified by a particular favor, meaning honored by the healing of Jesus Christ, yet she does not assume importance. Importance. But, is, is, but is as ready to wait at table if there be occasion as any servant. What can we learn from this? Though we as believers have been graced with God's loving favor to save us and forgive us of our sins, given us power to live free from our sin, we must remain humble and grateful that we have been healed, that we were once dead and in trespasses of sins, and being thus delivered, we should render service willingly and immediately and intentionally to the loving, tender, miracle worker, Jesus Christ. Like Peter's mother-in-law, it is only fit that we have been delivered from the disease of sin and wrath of God should minister to our Lord, for our Lord, as humble servants all the days of our life. Serving God, not just in a church service, but outside for the rest of the week is an actual, logical act of worship to Him. So not only do we learn the principle that Jesus was willing to minister even after a busy day, and He was willing to minister to, uh, to individuals, I want you to see thirdly that Jesus was willing to minister to the masses. And all of this all during one single day. Look at verse 32. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. 
And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Well, we found in verse number 28 that his fame spread like wildfire throughout the region of Galilee. And people began to throng around the home of Peter. And then we read that they came to where he was at even. That's at the nighttime. The timing of this is of note. It's very important that the crowd swelled at evening time when the sun had set. Scholars say that it is entirely plausible that those riddled with disease and demons came at the time of day when the critical and skeptical religious leaders had retired for the Sabbath day. Look in verse number 32. It says, When the sun did set, that they brought unto him all that were diseased and and, um, and them that were possessed with devils. Verse 33. And what's the next three words? All the city. Now, folks, that's not sensationalizing. That's pretty specific. The entire city of Galilee was at Peter and Andrew's house. They were there gathered together at the door. Matthew chapter 8, which is also a synoptic account of this passage, verse number 16 tells us that he healed all that were sick and with his words cast out devils. All that were brought to him that day, all that had their hurts, all that had their infirmities, all that had that spiritual struggles and were possessed with demons were served. This is our Lord. He ministers continuously. He doesn't stop. He ministers to each individual. And he's willing to minister to the masses. You know a very familiar passage of scripture, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 6, 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. He meets the needs of every single one that goes to him, and he does not ever fail. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. 1 John 2, 2, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. With open arms, he welcomes the atheists. With open arms, he welcomes the liar. With open arms, he welcomes the addicted. With open arms, he welcomes the violated. With open arms, he welcomes the destitute, the weak, the rich, the poor, the mighty, the feeble, Anyone and anyone, uh, everyone who is willing to go to him with their need. Jesus Christ will meet every single one. And all are invited to be healed. And every single one is welcome. Jesus is ready and willing to minister constantly. To minister individually. And to minister to the masses. Are we ministering with a mindset like Jesus Christ. If you're looking for a church family where you can serve, I'd like to invite you to Anchor Baptist Church of San Diego. We are a Christ-centered, family-oriented ministry located at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, 
San Diego, California, 92111. Our services start on Sunday for Sunday school at 9.30 a.m., and our morning worship begins at 10.45. Then we have a brief time of fellowship before we begin our afternoon service at 12.15 p.m. Our midweek Bible study and prayer time is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with a destructive, addictive behavior, Anchor Baptist Church offers an addictions recovery ministry, which is a Bible-based recovery program that provides freedom through the power of God and His Word. This program is called Reformers Unanimous, and we meet every Friday at 7 p.m., also at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. For more information, visit us at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org or call us at 619-804-3413. That's 619-804-3413. Anchored in Christ is a radio broadcast supported by donations by faithful listeners like you. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to donate to this broadcast, please visit our website at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org slash giving and donate to Anchored in Christ radio broadcast. Thank you for listening, and may God keep you anchored in Christ. You've been listening to Anchored in Christ with Pastor David Kehiwat. For more information, visit anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Tune in next week at the same time for Anchored in Christ.